been a while. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful, and thank you for prayers. I'm one of those. I remember one time Jamie had a friend that was over, and I forgot. Maybe it was my thyroid surgery or something, and you kept calling. I'm like, don't call me. You know, I'm good. I'm an adult. And um, he said, you're, his friend, he said, you're probably like one of those animals who if they get sick, they just run up to the mountain, want to be alone and just do their thing. I'm like, yeah, that would be me. And so no matter how, you know, I'm just one of those kind of turn introverted. Just, just nobody talk to me. I'm good. So that's why I was in my room. You know, I'd go down and come up and everything. But I'm thankful. And I'm just like, any other person, when something comes on you, you know, you start getting in a little bit of fear and anxiety, and then, you know, you're kind of funny when something hits you like that, and, um, you know, I, I was probably worse than you were, and so then your mind starts racing. I mean, I was just being real and for, for everybody, and then you start reading about your lab work while you're in the ER, and you're like, oh my God, I'm never leaving here, <clears throat> you know, because it's bad. You know, when you read that, and uh, the whole and the whole time, it's like, you know, people spiritually say, oh, just get in the work. I didn't do any word reading for three weeks. I didn't feel like it. didn't want to. I was hurting. My body was hurting. My head was hurting. And the only thing I was doing was just imagining the best of my ability and Holy Spirit was, you're not going to believe that outcome. You're going to believe a different outcome. And so that's what I was doing. I'm like, no, this isn't for me. I know I'm not denying my symptoms. I'm not denying anything. I'm taking medicine. Trust me, I was on five telehealth calls in three weeks. I'm like a little kid. I call the doctor and everything. And even the person I've never seen before, it's like, well, hey, Lisa, how are you doing? I hope you're doing better. I'm like, well, I got this other thing. Allergic to z -Pat. You know, all these things were just not going the way they should have been going for me. And then, you know, here Jamie is doing all good and everything like that. And uh, so anyway, I'm just like anyone else, and I just want to encourage you that if that happens, don't condemn yourself for not getting in the Word or, or putting on any praise music. When you're sick, you don't feel good, you lay there, but then just be thankful. And like His goodness, the, you know, I know He's good to me. I know He's faithful. And so when I was laying around and taking a shower, hurt, you know, whatever, today's the first day I've gotten all dressed up in three weeks. But the outcome, I'm, you believe a different outcome. You don't deny it. And I've said it for probably the whole month of December. And then I'll live through that, and I'll walk through that, and I believed a different outcome. And in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made... <clears throat> excuse me, be made to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. And so I was being thankful as hard as it was, and that's all I could do. I don't want to get into Word. I don't want to have a Bible study. I don't want nobody preaching to me. I don't want anybody telling me anything. Because, and that's just me. That's my human side, and God knows that about my personality. And he was like, I just want you to think on these things. I want you to think on what is good and what is pure. And so when, you know, this morning it just totally changed. This is finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. And, you know, I believe his report, and that's the report that we believe. His arm isn't too short, that he can't heal or touch anything at all. And, and my soul, my, my spirit knows that, but my soul needed to catch up with that. 
And so as I was, you know, kind of coming out of it and getting better, then I started. So I don't want anyone to condemn their, yourself. Don't get in any, any, any condemnation when you don't feel like it. You know, just know that his goodness is surrounding you as a shield, like his love, his banner over you is love. And think on those things. And then your body starts to rejuvenate. Because really, I didn't have the energy. Just don't look, go on Google. Don't do what I did in the ER. That's the worst thing you could do is look like, oh, my gosh, my lymphocytes are what? You know, and all that stuff. And then you get brought back and it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, why am I doing that? You know, and, and so we're, we do those things. But just remember that his goodness is still chasing you down no matter where you are, no matter how bad you're feeling. He's faithful and he's good. And you believe a different outcome. That's, this isn't the outcome I was believing for for those three weeks. The outcome I was believing for was like today. You know, I'm feeling better. I'm getting better every day. And um, so we're negative. That's a good thing. <laughs> so no one can be afraid, just have this little lingering cough. But that's even, I'm believing, that's all good. I'm going to be better than I was before. I'm not going to worry about anything because I can't afford to have my brain start affecting my body because our what we think and these neutrons like Caroline Leaf, it starts affecting your body. And like, I need every enzyme and lymphocyte I got, you know, and by his blood. And then it's like, yes, okay, I have that. And then, and then it starts. So I just wanted to encourage you to, to be as positive as possible, but don't feel bad when you are negative <laughs> in that situation because our body does speak and yell at us. And then that can affect our heart and our mind. And then, you know, Holy Spirit's there to tug and say, no, think on the these things think of the different outcome you are you know he like I said he he's the potter and potter means imagination and so when he imagined us he formed us and he gave us that gift and that ability of our imagination so I started believing a different outcome I started forming the way that I wanted to feel and it took a little while but it helps and it did it so I just want to encourage you for that and I'm thankful to be here and glad and okay so offering yeah that's normally what I do and uh, there's a kiosk in the back Holy Spirit will give you the unction of what to give we're not here to tell you because we don't want to take that away from him because if I tell you something he might be telling you something different you know and so we want you to learn and be to be led by him and we know that um he doesn't need anything but the gospel on the earth needs things to, to function and to continue going so let's pray let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are opening our eyes, opening our ears and our hearts and our understanding that we may have more revelation in the wisdom and knowledge of you, that we can move forward in this life knowing that your goodness and your mercy is chasing us down. You're teaching us. You're guiding us. You're letting us know where to go and what to say and what to do. And there's so much we're thankful for. We're thankful for each day. We're thankful for each breath. I'm thankful for my home, my kids, our church family. Lord, we're just thankful people today. And that's what I wanted to say today is this. Be th we are very thankful and we love you and we praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. No, that's good. That's right. We are thankful. That's thankful people, grateful people, gratitude. That's one of the things that I believe is the most um, visible signs of being Christ's disciples. I know there's only one sign, that's love, but if we're in love with him, we're grateful for what he's done for us, amen? Hey, Brian, could you turn the rest of these lights on for me? I like to see beautiful faces out there. Um, I'm very, very proud of Matthew. Um, the last live service that we had, he, he spoke spoke. 
spontaneously, and I gave him the subject matter of, uh, he, he did really good, make room for forgiveness, and he uh, shared uh, some of the notes that I gave him, added notes that he had himself, and it, it was uh, very, very uh, powerful, very good, and I'm thankful for the gift and calling on his life that we've never pushed him into, that we've just allowed Holy Spirit to lead him into uh, his own personality, his own shell. I've never told him what he's supposed to do. I've never pushed him to be anything. He's comfortable back there behind that wall pushing buttons and making us look good on uh, the internet, but he also has a, a gift and a calling to speak, and he's done very well, and I'm thankful for that. But we're continuing on Make Room. Um, last week, I just did a live because of the weather, the internet was extremely horrible. It didn't get out very well. <laughs> but I, I talked about gentleness, making room for gentleness. And I used a play on words from football because I've been watching a lot of the playoffs. There's been a lot of unnecessary roughness calls. Uh, roughing the quarterback, roughing the punter, unnecessary roughness. And, you know, it really jumped out at me that Unfortunately, in the world, it's crept into the church over the last year, year and a half to 18 months is that we've been unnecessarily rough with one another. Going to get any. I mean, we've divided each other over things that really don't even make a difference when it boils down to decisions of the kingdom. And we've been unnecessarily rough that, and we need to make room for gentleness uh, we've made room for the blood. That's what we started out with because without the blood, uh, we don't have grace. We don't have a new covenant. Uh, we, we're thankful for the blood of Jesus that has not lost its power. Can I get a witness from anyone? Then Matthew talked about forgiveness. We talked about Genesis. I'm going to talk to you this morning. Lisa has no idea what I'm going to talk about. Uh, we've, like I said, <laughs> been in the same house but not in the same room very often over the last few weeks. And... Um, <laughs> her introvertness just to go in the room and get better but um, the, this imagination thing has been jumping out at us quite often um, over the last few months she shared a lot about it Matthew has shared a lot about with, with me about it and I'm going to talk a little bit about it this morning but I want to start off with this little uh, quote here and then I want our minds to start to think about uh, the new. I know it's a new year. There's a lot of new things that have happened because of medical things. Uh, there's pol politics. There's, uh, you know, inflation. There's all types of things. And we talk about the new at the beginning of the year. But this is going to be in a different vein. Think of this. Old mindsets produce religious patterns. When we get in stuck in a, a cycle of religious patterns that become tradition. Now listen, there are some things that we would look at and say, well, that's tradition that are still good. They're ordinances of the church. Uh, communion, the Lord's Supper is a tradition of the church, but it is a, a sacrament. It is a, a an ordinance of the church that God ordained and Jesus told us to do it often and remember what he did for us. That's a tradition. That That's not the type of things that I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, you somebody fasted for three days one time 
And at the end of those three days, it, and, and it hadn't been raining and they needed rain for their crops. And so at the end of those three days, the weather pattern just happened to give them some rain. So they equated their three days of fasting to God sending rain. And now there's a religious pattern that if you want rain, you fast for three days. Do you understand that? That becomes a, a religious mindset and a pattern when fasting did not cause God to change his mind about the weather pattern. He set things in motion, and those things in the natural, just they, they happen because he set them in, the mo in motion. The waterfall doesn't stop running down the side of the mountain on its own. God put it in motion. He said, water flow over the side of the mountain, and it's been doing that. Clouds produce rain. That's the way God designed it. But old mindsets, if we don't begin to change and have a transformation of our mind and our imagination, we will be stuck in religious patterns that become formulas, and then those formulas don't do anything. Then we don't trust God and we quit. It's been, and it's a cycle that people have gone through in their minds, and many have quit today because of old mindsets. So it's time to clear out the mind. Come on. It's time to declutter our mindsets. I'm not talking about going into the pantry uh, or the closet and cleaning out the closet uh, to make room for new, although you may need to do that. I'm talking about the closet of our religious thinking, clutter, the clutter of all the religion to make room for new revelation. My sister Jennifer and I were talking this week. She met with some high school friends that over the last three or four years have begun to declutter, you could use the word deconstruct, their old religious mindsets. Listen, anything and everything that I learned from my past, I'm not saying that it was evil, bad, send me to hell. It was a foundation. But if I stay stuck, see, help me, Holy Ghost. He's not here, so I'll just talk about him. Um, my dad is, has some, he's had some changes. He's, he's thinking things differently than he used to think. But it's hard for him to vocalize that and get it out because he thinks people will think that, that less of him and that his integrity would be less because he changed what he used to think. No, God's helped him to grow at, at 77 to see th some things a little bit differently than he used to see them. And it's more integrity to say, hey, I may not have really been right back then. I could only preach from the revelation that I've had, but I have new revelation. And because of that new revelation, integrity is to say, hey, I, we're going to talk about it here in a moment. Quit being loyal to a lie. So many people are being loyal to a lie. And the, what we learn from those people in the past isn't, they weren't evil. I never think that when I say something about what I've deconstructed on is evil. No, it's just incomplete. I can never get away from the journey of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery and to know that there were 5 million of them and not everybody saw the Red Sea part. It parted. And the first 100, 100 people might have seen it part with their own eyes and walk through. The people in the back felt the horses of Pharaoh's armies. They were discouraged. They wanted to go back. They didn't know what had happened five miles out in front of them in the journey. So we have got to deconstruct, declutter our old religious mindsets.
Listen to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5. Should be on the screen. Then the one sitting on the throne said, See, I am making all things, what? New. He wasn't rehashing and improving the old. He was making all things new. Now, my particular opinion about the book of Revelation, and if you would ever want to talk about it, I'll be glad to answer questions for you, is that he wasn't prophesying that he was going to do things new. He was saying, I am doing all things new right now. So those things have been fulfilled according to the metaphoric, allegoric symbolism of the book of Revelation. Um, now, G, most things. Jesus said, or John said in the very beginning, these things shall quickly or shortly come to pass. If I tell you to go start the car, I'll be there shortly, and 2,000 years later I haven't come, that wasn't quickly. So I, when he says, I am making all things new, he did that at the cross. That's why we started with making room for the blood, because without the blood of Jesus, there was no covenant that was being made. But when he shed his blood, the pivotal point of history was when his blood was shed and that old covenant was fulfilled. He didn't come and demolish it and destroy it. He fulfilled it. Every part of it so that you and I don't have to fulfill it. And with his blood, he cut a brand new covenant, and he said, I am making all things new. Could you just bear with me for one minute? I had to get up off the chair because I was getting excited here. Just a moment. That all things are all things. We in the new covenant are in a new day. When the, the rooster crowed, it wasn't a symbol to Peter that the end had come. It was a symbol of a brand new day. The rooster doesn't crow to end the day. The rooster crows to say it's a brand new day. That's good stuff right there. In the new covenant, you're in a new day. You have a brand new life. Romans tells us to walk in the newness of that new life. You are a brand new creation. We have a new song to sing. Is any of this for me? I mean, this is Scripture. We have a new tongue. We have new mercies every morning. We don't have to go by yesterday's grace and mercy. It's brand new every morning. All things that he said where he was making new are all things. He has made everything brand new. And if you're going to stay stuck in the old mindset, it's just going to produce religious patterns for you. And you'll be walking by formulas. And when those formulas don't work, people get discouraged and they end up quitting. So I have a question. You know, I like to pose questions to make you think. Then why are so many still stuck? in this religious routine. What, think about that. What has caused us to stay stuck in old mindsets and an old covenant mentality when Jesus said, I am making all things new? Uh, whether you know it or not, grace has gone viral. <laughs> Write that down. Grace has gone viral. What, do you know what it means to go viral? It means it's spreading quickly and widely, and it's frequently shared. Um, everywhere I'm turning, the grace of God, which is not a new doctrine, it's not even a philosophy, it's the person of Jesus Christ, um, it's spreading rapidly and widely. 
we, may, we may not be seeing those uh, definite results here on the continent uh, in our region of the world in America, but the grace of God is going viral. People are being saved at a rapid rate across the world. Um, they're coming to the grace of God. Muslims are having visions of Jesus and turning their lives around because of these visions, these uh, encounters like Paul had on the road to Damascus, and they're turning their lives around uh, immediately. But grace has gone viral. When you begin to protect the old, what is new then looks like a threat. In our region, in my sphere of influence, I've become a threat to a lot of people, not because of who I am, but I've become a threat because of what I'm preaching. I'm trying to get people to deconstruct that old, to do away with that old mentality, to receive a new mentality, a new day, a new life, a new song, a new tongue, new mercies, and if they have to put away the old, then that becomes a threat. They're trying to protect the old. And please, again, I am not trying to tell you that anything that you taught growing up was wrong, evil, somebody tried to dupe you or persuade you, they preached from the revelation they had, thank God that it launched you into your, your walk with the Lord, but we can't stay stuck in those old mindsets. Um, some, it really isn't a threat, it's a promise. The grace of God is not a threat, it's a promise to us, and He has fulfilled uh, His promises. We sang it this morning. We're walking in the fulfillment of those promises now. If you're trying to work your way and have a mentality of the old covenant, that's why things aren't comprehended from the new because you've got a work-based, performance-based mentality that you have to work to earn something from God. Again, stop being loyal to that lie. Um, Acts, the 10th chapter, Jesus offers... Peter, something brand new. God offers him something brand new. He had been stuck in a mentality that he couldn't eat certain things. If you want history for that, go to Exodus 21 through chapter 25. You will find all of the kosher diet that they were supposed to eat and not eat, and that's what made them holy. And so all of a sudden, he has this vision, and a meat comes down on a sheet. Not a poetry board, what's that thing called? charcuterie board no it was a sheet meat on a sheet (laughs) and it comes down out of heaven and God tells him in this vision kill and eat and he says oh no Lord listen see the voice of God himself is trying to tell you something new and you're rejecting it to hold on to a tradition and an old mindset and Peter says oh no Lord I can't do that three times the voice says Peter kill and eat Don't call that which I've called clean, unclean. He was giving him a new revelation. He he wanted him to imagine that he could eat that, what it would taste like. Uh, I remember the first time my mom made me try sweet potatoes. But I'm a texture guy. Bananas. 
It's the texture. I like banana-flavored stuff, but I can't eat a mushy banana. I do eat sweet potatoes now. But do you ever remember your mom trying to get you to try something new? Uh, let me ask this question. How many of you ever had to sit at the table and you couldn't leave the table until you at least tried one bite of it? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I won't do that to you this morning. Uh, but <laughs> Won't you try something new this year? Remember, sw- swallow something new. Digest a new doctrine. Digest a new revelation. Use your imagination and let the Holy Spirit begin to run wild in your imagination about the things that He wants to present to you as a new revelation. If you want to kind of just get something that rhymes, eat the meat from the sheet. That thing that you've never tried before that God's telling you, yeah, go ahead. You can try that this year. Swallow something new. And when you do, you will begin to uh, break that loyalty to the lie that you've been told down through the years in your spirit. Go with me to Leviticus, the 26th chapter. Leviticus 26, verse 10. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out and make room for the new. When you look at that scripture, last year's harvest was a blessing. The doctrine you grew up on, some of the things that you learned, that was a blessing. I'm not saying that it was a curse. But when the new comes in, you're going to have to move that out and make room for the new blessing that God wants to give you. Because if you want to hold on to the old blessing, clearing out and the, the clutter and making room is not about clean, cleaning out your pantry. It's about decluttering your mind and having a transformed mind. We have to stop going back to past points of reference. Going back to past points of reference, I know churches that sing, Jennifer can shake her head, that sing the same song every Sunday morning. They've been singing that same song every Sunday morning for 30 plus years and they use a past point of reference that one Sunday morning in 1955 the floodwaters broke loose, 20 people came to the altar, people got saved, people got healed, got people got delivered. Praise God for that, but if you're trying to drum up the same result by going to a past point of reference, you've not transformed your mind. We've got to stop using previous resources. Thank God for the harvest of last year. But God's moving in a brand new harvest, new imagination, new revelation, new thoughts, new meat on the sheet. And you've got to make room for it. Luke 5. And when I say Luke 5, 37 through 38, remember a few weeks ago Matthew's friend... Uh, tried to commit suicide, jumped out of a building, got sent to the hospital, jumped out of the room of the hospital. Has broken his legs, is having surgery this week. Please pray for Luke as he has surgery on his legs. Luke 5, verses 37 and 38. And I hope this will help you see what I've been trying to say. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. Verse 38, no, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. 
That is why when Christ came, He made us brand new creations to pour the new wine of the Holy Ghost into these new creations. Because if we were still an old mindset, an old covenant creation, trying to work by the, the, the law and uh, make sacrifices, the new wine that would be poured into those old wineskins could not handle it. It would burst those wineskins, and it would be wasted on that old covenant mindset. That's why God hates mixture. Revelation, lukewarm spews you out of your mouth, hot and cold. That's old covenant, new covenant. You can't preach Jesus and then, like the Judaizers did, add, well, you need to be circumcised and you need to do this. No, we are brand new creations in Christ with brand new minds. We have the mind of Christ and He's poured the wine of His Spirit into us. Now, this is where I wanted to get. I hope I'm not taking too much time. Go to Proverbs, the 29th chapter. I'm talking about new revelation, new wine, being poured into the new wineskin and you're not an old wineskin and you've got to get out of that old covenant mindset and those religious patterns. Because where there is no revelation, underline that word revelation, I'm reading from the NIV, Proverbs 29, 18. Your translation may say vision. Where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint that if you really begin to study that out and you look at the Hebrew, this word revelation here is prophetic vision. That's what it means. It's a prophetic vision. Can I give you some enlightenment on prophetic vision? It's your imagination. The prophetic comes from your imagination. You've got, as Lisa was saying, about our imagination, you've got to see the end result differently. They may be saying this, they may be predicting this, but my prophetic vision, my imagination, the revelation of what I have is an end result that's different than what everyone else has said that it will be. So that means if I'm physically sick in my body, I begin to think and imagine, and I have a vision of seeing myself whole and well. Then I begin to talk about what I see as an end result. The prophetic, people are discouraged because they have no imagination. That's what this scripture says. With no revelation or no vision, no prophetic um, insight, no imagination about the outcome, people get discouraged. What we've got is media that have given us a pathetic outcome. Instead of using our imaginations to see a prophetic outcome. Man, I feel that all over me. See, because the prophetic, when you are dealing with the prophetic, it is a picture of the end result. When God gives you prophecy, He's given you the picture of the end result. That's why the kingdom of God operates from a finished work. That's good. It's a finished work. The kingdom of God is operating, not working towards something that needs to be done. It's working from something that has already been accomplished. So our imagination sees that end result and we have a prophetic vision that encourages us to live and walk in the kingdom. We need to use our imagination to see the end result. 
then we need to have faith to believe for that result. Does that make sense? I believe it does. You can't and you won't receive a new revelation, a picture of the end result, a vision, with the old mindset. You've got to make room for the new harvest. I believe that we need to imagine the finished work in every area of our lives. We need to have a prophetic vision and have an imagination of uh, the end result of what our health is like. Even if I'm sick in my body, I have an imagination of being whole, well, and healed, walking around strong, no lingering cough, no problems in my lungs, no problems in my limbs, no fatigue. That's what I talk to myself about. That's the way I see myself. That's the way I'm having a vision that encourages me. I don't stay discouraged. In my finances, I have an imagination. Now, that's, I'm not talking about naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, and glabbing it, write the check, what the heck. I'm talking about having a prophetic vision, having the imagination of where you see yourself, then having the faith to work towards that. It's already accomplished in the kingdom. I'm not doing anything other than walking step by step, moment by moment, by faith, to get to the end result that I am imagining in my finances. You know why you're discouraged over your finances? You have no vision. You have no revelation or imagination of where you see yourself in the future. See, because the prophetic is a picture of the end result. Your business, your occupation, your relationships. Can I speak to your relationships for just a second? Holding on to hurts from the old ones who already left you won't work in the new ones. Your wineskin is about to burst. So you need to change your mindset so that you receive that new wine. Listen, God's bringing it to you. I curse the old mindset of the Tower of Babel. We still have a mindset in the church world of the Tower of Babel. What is that? We're trying to build something to get to God when God has already come down to us. Heaven has already come to my house. Come on, somebody. Heaven is already come to my mind. I cannot achieve His holiness, but He is and He has brought His holiness to me. Peace is in my marriage. Why? Because He has brought peace to my marriage. Increase is coming to your finances. Why? Because that's the end result that you can see in your imagination that you can work to. I want you to say this with me right now. Daddy's bringing it to me. See, if you can get a hold of that mindset in 2022 and push out that old mindset of I've got to go get it from God, if you have an imagination of where you already have received it, then you work towards increasing your knowledge of how to have that operate in your life. The more of God that I want is the more of knowing what He's already done for me and how to uh, activate that in my life. Instead of wanting more God and getting desperate. And, so, and I hear a lot of songs right now. And man, I love a lot of these new songs. There's one by the Hesslers. Is that right? Called Make Space. Awesome. Great. And I'm not the lyric police. 
But what I have to deal with is I, I'm not desperate for God and I, I don't need to get any closer to Him. He's already inside of me. I don't want a visitation. He's already taken up habitation. I understand that He manifests Himself in different ways in different times on people. And I love that stuff. But I don't have to get desperate for the Spirit of God and try to draw near to Him when He's right here. I have to imagine that. I have to see that prophetically. What's the end result? Heaven has come to you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's here. It's on earth. We must allow then every situation to become an opportunity for a new revelation. Every situation that we find ourselves in, we have to allow that situation to be an opportunity for new revelation whatever God's trying to show me in this situation. Um, the kingdom of God does not operate by reason. It operates by revelation. We don't need a reason. We need a revelation. So many times when certain things have happened in our lives and uh, tragedy has come in or uh, things that we don't understand. And, and, and it's, not, it's okay to ask God why, but a lot of times He's not going to give you a why. He wants to give you a revelation. Can I give you an example of that as we close? Mary and Martha and Lazarus followed Jesus' ministry and they had come to recognize Him and see a revelation of Him as healer. They'd seen Him open blind eyes. They'd seen Him unstop deaf ears, cause the lame to walk and the blind to see. But when it came to Lazarus and he got sick, he didn't go heal Lazarus. Why? We can ask why all day long, but if we'll, we'll... It even said that he was sad that his friend had died. But he did this not to give them a reason why. He did this to show them a new revelation because they had never seen him as resurrection life. Lazarus is the first one that he raises from the dead. So when he steps up to that tomb and he says, I am the resurrection and the life, though he who was dead, yet shall he live. And he, they saw a brand new revelation of who he was as resurrection and life. What you're going through right now, what you will go through in this year, use it as a situation, an opportunity to receive a new revelation from God. I'm not saying that God's going to put you through anything. He didn't bring you to it, but He will bring you through it. Use it as an opportunity to receive a fresh revelation, to declutter your mind, to get rid of those old mindsets, to receive some new meat from the sheet, try something new, use your imagination, see the end result, and then in faith start working towards that. Does that make sense? Instead of asking God, if you'll stand to your feet, instead of asking God to get you out of it this morning, won't you ask Him how to bring Him into it? That's good. So many times we've asked God to get us out of certain things. Maybe our prayer should be this morning, how do I bring you into this situation? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to begin to open up your imagination right now? A prophetic revelation. A new revelation. 
I believe it starts with getting rid of that old mindset and making room for something new. The new harvest, the new blessing. What's he want to show you this year about your finances, about your health, about your home, about your relationships? Help us, Lord. Sometimes our response might be like Peter. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't do that. God's going to come back and He's going to tell you the exact same thing. He's not going to change it. It's going to be the same thing. Trying to show you something new like He did with Peter. Just surrender to the voice of the Spirit. Open up your imagination and try something new. Swallow it. Digest something new this year in your imagination. As we sing, the altar is open. You can pray in your seat. I just would really encourage you. The question that I asked you in in this sermon was, why are people stuck? Why are we stuck in religious cycles and patterns? What do I need to make room for? What do I need to declutter in my mind this morning? And then the second thing I would encourage you to do is just start asking God to open up your imagination and give you fresh vision, prophetic revelation this morning as we sing.